We want to examine the message from this song of another song that we sing from time to time here. And this particular song is one that reminds us that we need to be ready. And not only ready, but willing to go where God desires. We know little uh, about the background of this song and, um, and of, of this and others that uh, the author who, who wrote it is and, and it was, uh, was published in the late 1800s. Um, the theme of this song is based upon the call of Isaiah that was read just a moment ago in Isaiah chapter 6 and verse 8 where he says, I also heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? Then said I, Here am I, send me. So something is to be said about being available when needed. That is the message of this song. If something needs to be done, we will volunteer to help get it done. That's what Isaiah is doing here. The message of the, the Lord needs to go to the people. And the Lord is saying, who will I send? And Isaiah volunteers and he says, Lear my Lord, send me. I think when I, when I sing this song, I think of an elderly lady back home in Alabama that had... That had uh, pure white hair, is one of our elders' uh, mothers. And every time I would lead, or ever so many weeks, she would say, will you lead that song? Uh, Lord, send me. She'd always want me to, Amanda and I were trying to think of her first name uh, earlier. I called her Miss America. Uh, but uh, she was uh, quite a lady and very, very, uh, instrumental in teaching people the gospel and doing much, much good uh, for, for the Lord. Very, very thoughtful of her. So tonight, as we examine this song, verse 1 begins out, says there is, begins by saying there's much to do, there's work on every hand. You know, one thing in the Lord's church, there's always much that needs to be done. There's always much that needs to be done just to be reminded that we cannot retire from serving the Lord. We're reminded in this song and in this that the life of a Christian is a busy life. If, a, if your life is not busy in as far as your Christianity, we might need to re-examine some things, the things that we're doing for the Lord. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, 58 says, calls for us to always be abounding in the work of the Lord. Ecclesiastes 9 and verse 10 tells us that whatever your hands find to do, do it with all your might. So that is reiterating the first line of that song. There is much to do. There's work on every hand. Hark the cry, for help comes ringing through the land, the song says. Here we are reminded that there is always someone looking. It may seem like they're not, but someone is. Though they may be few and far between, but there's someone 
always looking to be to find the help that comes through the land. You know, we've addressed many times through sermons how the New Testament speaks of, of open doors. When you go into the book of 2 Corinthians in chapter 2, we read, and the Bible says to us in verse 12, it says, Furthermore, when I came to Troas to preach, um, to preach Christ's gospel, and a door was opened unto me of the Lord. Colossians 4 and verse 3, Revelation 3 and verse 8. We could go on and on throughout Scripture when it's talking about doors that are open. The heart that cry for the, the cry for help comes ringing through the land. And again, many times those doors are open. What about in your life today, in my life? How many doors have been opened? Have we actually, have we went through those doors? Have we took advantage of that door being open? Maybe a new relationship with someone or a co-worker or uh, someone who is new to the area or whatever the case may be. The Bible speaks of many doors that have been opened. And I'm recalled tonight to recall the occasion, if you remember, when Paul had a vision in Acts chapter 16 in verses 9 and 10 to go to Macedonia. The door was open. They had plans to go elsewhere, if you remember, but they had that vision, and as they were called to go to Macedonia to open their eyes. You know, our Lord, throughout Scripture in the New Testament, calls for reapers. I must active be uh, in our song as well. I think of Jesus as he challenged the disciples to open their eyes to the fields that are wide and to harvest. John chapter 4, verse 35. You know, we live in a time now that there is a harvest. There's a whole world out there that is lost concerning what the Bible truly says. You know, if one is sincere about pleasing God and knowing God, he or she will open up the pages of this book and will begin reading and will ask questions and will say, well, what, what does this mean? What does that mean? Uh, one who is always asking. Uh, I've always told people, if you really wanted to know about the true church that the Bible speaks about, go to the book of Acts and begin reading in the very beginning. So again, those doors, those fields are white. Um, if we remember the parable of the souls in Matthew 13 and 18. Um, and our song goes on, it says, What will thou, O Master, here am I, send me? What do you want me to do? Are we, are we ready and willing to do whatever we can as opportunity arises? Now, this speaks to those of us who are in the Lord's church. Are we ready to be that volunteer? Are we ready to go and teach the gospel to someone in that workplace or in that place where we meet other people? Are we looking for those doors that are open to teach people? To be able to show people the truth. A lot of people don't know the truth. A lot of people have never been exposed to truly what is in here. Many people have relied upon a man uh, by the, with a title. 
um, whether it be a pastor or whether it be a priest or whether it be whoever in their life to explain to them these words. And a lot of people whom I've studied with through the years and showed them scripture about concerning things, concerning Christ and the church and the gospel, they said, I never knew that was even in there. And a lot of people, we have a lot of people in the world who fit that description tonight. This song reveals out of verse 2, my love and sympathy, if we will. It says, there's a plaintive cry of mourning souls distressed. The word plaintive there means sorrowful or desperate, pleading. In Matthew chapter 4, if you remember, chapter 5 rather, in verse 4, speaks of those who mourn and shall be comforted. Jesus is teaching about proper perspective toward our sinful action. We will mourn because of sin. We will mourn because there are people who are lost in sin. Now Matthew 9 and 27 says, makes me think of many occasions where those with need saw Jesus and cried out, if you remember. Uh, you remember the two blind men there that cried out. In Matthew 15 and 22, we read of the Canaanite woman with a demon who, with a demon-possessed daughter. And we could go on and on for those who cried out. The next part of that verse says, A sigh of hearts who seek and find no rest. You see, it's no secret that many today are hurting and desperately searching for answers. This world that we live in tonight is very broken. It's very broken because of sin. And it's bitterly divided. You, just, you don't have to go very far on our media or whatever to find those things. But you know the problem? Many people tonight and today across our nation and world are looking in the wrong places for the answers. You see, Jesus, in the great invitation in Matthew 11 and 28 through 30, said that he would give rest. You know, to fix our world problems, the world needs religion. The, girl, the world needs Jesus. They need to answer that call. And they need you and I to share Jesus and the gospel with them. And that's what this whole song is about tonight. That sigh of hearts who seek and find no rest. Many people are hurting tonight. And the last part of that verse, or the next part of that verse says, These should have my love and tender sympathy. Rather than being uncaring, we ought to be sympathetic to those who are desperate and searching. When you go and you look into the book of Colossians in chapter 3 and verse 2, it calls for you and I to put on tender mercies. And not only tender mercies, but kindness, among other traits that Christians should uh, exhibit and manifest to the, the people, outward appearance to people in our world and in our um, environments that we work in or whatever the case may be but they should have our love and our tender sympathy the, book, the song says 
Acts 20 and verse 35, Paul calls for us to be reminded, the Ephesian, or reminding the Ephesian elders there of the words of Jesus, that it's more blessed to give than to what? Receive. And we need to think about that. As we going to sing this song here just in a little bit, Lord, hear my send me. It's more blessed to give than to receive, unlike what the world would teach you tonight. Looking to the great example of Jesus, I'm reminded tonight of how compassionate he was with others. We need to remember that the church is not a hotel for the, the well, those who are not sick but it's a hospital for the sick and those who are sick spiritually. And not a physical sickness, but spiritually. And you and I ought to open and be compassionate, be open and be compassionate, compassionate with others. And I ask that tonight, are we? Are we open and compassionate with others? Are we thinking about other souls? I know tonight that in your life there has to be one somebody that is not, does not know the truth. How compassionate have you been toward that person? You know, I'd like to challenge you tonight to go and just find one person at work, one person at school, one person in the church, one person in your environment that you come in contact with that is not a Christian and show compassion to that person and say, hey, I, I'm concerned about your soul. You know, you, you tell them there's a place that when we leave this world that we're, we're going. We're going to one or two places. And I'd rather you go to heaven than I'd rather, than I'd rather not see you go to hell. The book goes on and the song says, Ready at thy bidding, here am I, send me. Are we willing to open our eyes and look for whatever opportunities might come our way. What about the third verse? When we look at the third verse, we look at what we call or, or what we might think of if, as hungering souls. You say they're hungering souls who cry aloud for bread. Not literally bread, but Matthew 5 and verse 6 speaks of those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, doesn't it? For they shall be filled. They shall not be filled if we are not ready to go. They will not get what they need if we're not ready to take it to them. Now there's a receiving part on their end that has to happen. But you know, you think about food. Food is about the basic needs to sustain one's life. And you know, that same thought process is true spiritually as well. There are many who are spiritually starving because they do not have access to the truth. And I guess we ask the question, what will we do about it tonight? With the bread of life, they're longing to be fed. John chapter 6 records Jesus, if you remember, feeding the 5,000 on one occasion. And typical of John, he says, this is followed up with a message from Jesus. How he sought to turn their attention from the physical food, if you remember, to the spiritual food of his word.
you turn to that passage and you look in John chapter 6 and verse 27, he challenges them to, to labor for the food that endures to everlasting life. When you look in uh, John 6 and verse uh, 27, it's, the Bible says to us, Labor not for the meat which perisheth, but for that meat which comforteth, or endureth rather, unto everlasting life, which the Son of Man shall give unto you, for him hath God the Father sealed. That everlasting life. says, you'll not be hungry anymore. He says, because I'm the bread of life. In verse 35. And you know, every person here tonight, every person in the world, needs Jesus to sustain them. Just as God sustained the children of Israel, if you remember, while in the wilderness with the manna. And our Lord referred to that on one occasion in John chapter 6 there, as we were just reading in verses 32 and 33. But spiritually today, many are starving and may not even know it. But others do, do know they need something to give their lives real purpose, which has been drained from them by the one who says there's nothing beyond this life, Satan. You think about that. Many are starving and may not even know it. Many people have never had access to the truth. The rest of that song there says, Shall they starve and famish? While a feast is free. The scriptures make reference to the feast. A time of celebration associated with the Lord and his return and even being in his family. When you go to the book of Luke in chapter 15 and you read of the prodigal son in verses 22 and 23, when he returned there was a feast, wasn't there? A celebration. Matthew 22 and 1 through 14, uh, the parable of the wedding feast. And in the book of Revelation, chapter 19 and verse 9, blessed are those who are called to the marriage supper of the Lamb. Shall they starve and famish while a feast is free? You know, I think about how people... May who are, we talked this morning about how, how many people would go to bed hungry tonight. Some 850 million or something. What a terrible thing for them to have access to food and not be able to get to it. Maybe because of a lack of transportation or a lack of physical health to move to get to that food. But even what a sadder condition is, is folks who are starving spiritually and don't have the access to it. Now, if we knew somebody was hungry tonight, if someone come in here tonight and said, I know a family who is starving, their children are starving, we would make provisions, wouldn't we? Before we went home to our own homes, we would find some way to get that family some food. Now you flip that on the other side of when someone is starving spiritually, how much effort are we putting forward?
How much are we putting forth to making that available? What a sad thing when the song says, Shall they starve and famish while a feast is free? Am I going to just say, Oh, there is a feast? Am I just going to tell them about this feast? Or am I going to keep it to myself? Furthermore, it's free. And it's available to anyone. How are we going to look at that? 2 Kings chapter 7 tells, when you go and read that account in 2 Kings, it tells of four lepers that are outside of Samaria that had been seized by the Syrian army. Through the help of the Lord, Israel was delivered. The army fled and left everything. When you have time, go and read that. But it's the four lepers found the camp and reasoned. Now think about this. The army fled and left everything. The four lepers found the camp and reasoned, why do we sit here till we die? Chapter 7 and verse 3. So then they decide to go to the camp of the Syrians and find it, and they find it deserted. But then they determine they need to tell the city, and they do. The city was delivered. People hungering, and someone cared enough to tell them where they could find relief. The song in that next last part of that verse, I must be more faithful. Here am I, send me. We often need to examine ourselves. 2 Corinthians 13 and 5 tells us to do that. As to whether we are in the faith, And tonight, as we've put together this lesson, I'm I'm reminded and I think of of the desires of David, if you remember in the Psalms, as he requests that the Lord, uh, God, test him and try his heart. In Psalm 17, verse 3, we have several occasions in the book of Psalms when that happens, to test and try him. When it comes to the work of the Lord, whether it's evangelism or in other, other areas, We need to ask the question, can I do better? Are we like David? Are we saying in our prayers, are we saying, Lord, will you provide me an opportunity to do good? Will you provide me an opportunity today to open or go through a door and talk to someone about Jesus? Will you provide me an opportunity to, to provide some physical relief to someone who needs help? I think sincerely we need to pray for those things. How many times do we, though? That's the question. I think every morning we need, as we start our day, we need to ask the Lord, give me those opportunities today. Provide them for me. Put them in front of me. But then on the other hand, we have to have our eyes open, don't we? And we have to be able to recognize those opportunities to help other people whether it be physically or whether it be spiritually. As I noted earlier in this lesson, people are looking for answers. And I know this is challenging today as many of us in times past uh, uh, are interested in God, but there are, there are some, some of them aren't, aren't interested in God. We've done door knocking here and we've mailed out things and we've done several things to get no responses. And yes, that, that's discouraging, isn't it? 
but we must keep looking. You see, that's the point of this whole song tonight. And any time from this point on that we sing this song, you need to think about that. That we must keep looking. There are starving souls. There are people who need the truth. There are people who need the gospel. There are people who need spiritual help. But we've got to be willing to take it to them. The last verse. Souls in danger. There are souls who linger on the brink of woe. Not only do we see the troubles of this life, but there is a big picture. In the book of Romans, in chapter 3 and verse 23, for all have fallen short, for have fallen short and sinned and fell short of the glory of God. And you know, unless you and I tonight take care of our sins, we are doomed to an eternal condemnation. When you go to the book of Second Thessalonians, rather, in chapter 1 and verse 8, it speaks of the vengeance of God on those who do not obey the gospel. You think about that. One might say, well, what is the gospel? The gospel is the death and the burial and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. If you've heard the gospel preached and you believe there's a God, you believe that Jesus was the Son of God, and you have faith in those things, and you're willing to repent of those sins and confess His name before men and be baptized for remission of your sins, not how some man has concocted things, but what it says right here. What it says in this Bible, if everybody in this world would go back to this book and have faith in this book, this world would be a better place in a lot of areas. Not just in teaching the gospel, but in a lot of ways we treat people and treat each other. But this is where the truth is. One says, well, well how do I become a Christian? I, I just told you. You be baptized. You go to the book of Acts in chapter 2 and verse 38. Peter told those people that day on the day of Pentecost, he told them, repent and be baptized every one of you. Acts chapter 8, we read of the, of the, the, the uh, Ethiopian there that Philip talked to. The Ethiopian, they were riding in the chariot, and he was reading to them the book of Isaiah, and, and, he, and, and, and undoubtedly he had told him, Philip had told him everything he needed to do to become a Christian. And he said, well, here's water. What hindereth me from being baptized? And you read the rest of that, and you know what it says, doesn't it? So they both went down into the water. And you look and one says, well, what is baptism? Baptism is, comes from the Greek word baptizo. If you go and look it up and you, and you really study that word baptism and baptizo, it means a full submersion. I have all, my own family members who uh, are of the Methodist faith. Of course, every one of those of uh, my family were sprinkled. You know, I don't find sprinkling in the Bible. I find a full submersion. They actually, um, 
and the passing of my dad and other things are cleaning out some things back home in my grandmother, my step-grandmother's house. And they had some books that were of the Methodist faith. And they took a picture of them and said, would you like these? And I said, sure. Uh, I wanted them. I wanted to look and be able to know more about how uh, the Methodist folks and, and my, uh, that side of the family has thought about their salvation and no better way than to get their creed. But you know the one thing about the churches of Christ is we have no creed, do we? Our headquarters are in heaven and our will of God is right here. And what we do right here is going to determine because John chapter 12 and verse 48 says these words our Lord is speaking are going to judge you one day. And those words he's talking about in John 12, 48 are right here. Not in some man's creed or some man's way of thinking. What I'm telling you tonight is not my way of thinking. It's what the Bible says. That's the importance of this song. It says, Lord, I must not, cannot bear to let them go that great commission that we've read about, reaching the lost. 2 Corinthians 5 and 11, knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. Paul understood this and grieved when he heard of anyone who rejected God. When you go to the book of Romans in chapter 9 and verses 1 and 2, Paul, you can read there and see that Paul had great sorrow and continual grief in his heart because of the rebellious people of his time. Does the plight of the lost weigh heavy on us? Notice the, verse, the words of this song. Let me go and tell them, brother, turn and flee. We need to teach repentance and obedience like the apostles did in the temple. And Paul, wherever he went... And the rest of that song says, Master, I, will sa I would save them. Here am I, send me. This is simply a way of saying, I'm willing to do my part to win those people. The chorus to this song really adds nothing new to the message, but it does rhythm uh, with rhythmically remind us as we sing that we need to be ready to go and do what we can to further his cause. So before we close our lesson out tonight, just as we do each week with a new song, I'd like for us to sing it. 658, I guess Brandon's got it up there for us. And as we sing, let's think about the lost. What are we doing? What's our attitude toward people who need to know the truth? 658, we'll sing all four verses. There is much to do, there's work on every hand. Hark the cry for help comes ringing through the land. Jesus calls for reapers, I must actively
Observation. Some might see in this song the idea of maybe waiting for instructions. That is not the pattern of Scripture, as we know, nor is it the intent of this song. And it was not the intent of Isaiah when we go back to Isaiah's in our Scripture reading tonight, when he volunteered. He was already busy and working but when the call came he was ready to go right then now I want to close with this scripture 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 4 no one engaged in warfare entangles himself with the affairs of this life that he may please him who enlisted him as a soldier now notice these last words Am I ready to go for him? That's the question. Are you ready to go for the Lord tonight? Think about that. Are you ready to go? When's the last time that you talked to someone about 
their soul. How many opportunities have we spurned? The Lord may have opened many doors for you and I, and maybe we've not used those opportunities like we should. Tonight, be ready to go for the Lord. Tonight, if you have any sin that is present in your life and you need forgiveness of that, we most certainly encourage you to repent of that sin, confess it, let us pray for you and pray with you. Maybe you need to become a Christian tonight and put him on in baptism and be a New Testament Christian. You see, that's the, that's the, the goal, is to teach people how to be a New Testament Christian. Not what some man has put together. There's one thing I've learned in my 52 years is that man will lead you wrong and man will let you down if you put all your trust in one man. But I can tell you one man tonight, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and his Father, our God, will not let you down. Here am I, send me. Are you ready to make and answer that call tonight? Whatever your need may be, please come. Together we stand and as we sing.